Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out this Friday Out in the Garage episode. I want to give you a bit of a word on Out in the Garage and what's going to happen with this Friday podcast. But first, one of the links in the show notes is for Tribe. Tribe registration closes on Sunday, uh, November 19th. Easy for me to say. Sunday, November 19th. There will be somebody who's going to say, man, I just didn't know. I thought I had more time. I thought it was at the end of the month. I thought it was December 1st or whatever. That's when registration closes. I try to give you as much heads up as possible, uh, even to the point where I'm tired of talking about it. But I want to make sure as many guys as possible at least know this opportunity has presented itself because twice a year we open up registration for men to be in this community. I can go on and on about it, and I, I will a little bit later. Not today. Um, but go to the pursuitofmanliness.com forward slash tribe. You're going to find out more than enough information about it, more than enough. And you can scroll through the... Uh, you know, pursuit of manliness. You know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. There's, there's stuff there. There's pictures there. There's, you know, our YouTube channel. But <clears throat> I want you to know that's happening. Forgive me. Second thing is uh, we're looking at uh, numbers twenty-seven today. So that's the discount code for um, Darkwater Woodwork, DarkwaterKC.com. If you go to DarkwaterKC.com and you select the Out in the Garage Beard Bundle, uh, you'll save fifteen percent off your order when you put in the code numbers twenty-seven. Now. What I was, what I was starting to say, and then said all the other stuff was uh, out in the garage. It's going to change, okay? At the end of November, I know we're on just getting into this month. At the end of November, the out in the garage podcast is going to change. For the whole time we've been doing this, it's been left to right, left to right. We started in Genesis. We made our way to the end of. We'll get to the end of Numbers through this month, and um, taking chunks at a time or chapters at a time. We're going to continue the out in the garage podcast on Fridays. It's just going to look different. I sent a message to uh, Doug Cole, who was the sponsor of this podcast several months, I don't know, a couple months ago, and said, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, ending the podcast. Just, and I gave him some reasons, and I'm not sure, and I didn't tell anybody that, but besides Doug's, I want to give him a heads up. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. The realization hit me the other day, and I, I knew this for a while. I'm essentially spiritually checking boxes, okay? So I have, uh, I'm a pastor, so I have what I teach on on the weekends. We go through books of the Bible. Right now, it's Acts. We're going to take a break from Acts. We're going to go through Malachi. For the, forgive me, for the month of November, December will be like a Christmas series, and we're back in Acts. So Acts all the time. Then I have my family reading plan. Right now, we're going through James. Okay, not a big deal. One chapter a day. We message each other, whatever. I have my tribe reading, which is one chapter a day. Right now, we are in Luke, Luke 3. Um, what else is there? I feel like there's another one in there. Anyhow, and then I got this. I'm in numbers. So I'm in four or five different places throughout the week, depending on the day. I was telling Doug uh, today, I said, you know, yesterday I thought it was all done for the day. And I was like, shoot, you haven't read James yet. Not only do I read James, then I got to send the messages out so everybody knows I read it and they send their back. So I said, I'm just checking boxes. That's not good. So what I'm trying to do is streamline it a bit more to stay dedicated to the tribe reading. Actually, my family, my wife and kids are going to go through the same reading plan uh, that tribe is in tribe 13. They're just, they're not going to have challenges and all the other things, but it's just going to help uh, with conversation, with some sanity and allow me to study a bit more. So what will the out in the garage walk through scripture and, and it will vary and you'll be able to tell by the notes and stuff where we're at, but scripture that I believe is applicable to men of God, how we're going to apply that. Uh, will we go through books? Probably not. Um, but we're going to look at it. Um, 
as, as to the best of our ability is what we're going to do. So thank you all for listening on Fridays. We're going to continue the Friday podcast. It's going to be out in the garage. It's just going to look different. And the garage is brisk because uh, fall or winter, depending on how you look at it, has clearly arrived. Numbers 27. I want to begin by this. I'm just going to briefly touch on this because I find it pretty interesting. The daughters of Zelophehad. Did you say that right, Jarrett? Probably not. Um, anyhow, there were these daughters who approached Moses and was like, look, our father died in the wilderness. Verse 3, he was not among the company who was gathered themselves together against the Lord. He didn't rebel against the Lord at Korah, but died in his own sin. Like, he had his own things, um, but he had no sons. So what's the problem? The problem is um, you would leave your sons uh, the land, the portion that was due to you. And while they're divvying up land and portions, they were like, um, yeah, we, we ain't going to get anything. And you want to know more about that? You can look at Numbers uh, 26. Uh, they're going to kind of breaks down how this is all going to work. So um, the land was passed on from fathers to sons. Daughters, no. You might have got a cast iron skillet and a rake. I don't know what you got, but you definitely did not get land. So they're like, hey, what are we going to do? And so, again, Numbers 26 kind of gives you this genealogy breakdown. And, you know, here's the problem. You can have hard and fast rules. And I'm, I'm a black and white guy most of the time. There are some gray things in life that you say, man, that's tough. I, I, I wrestle with this. Again, I'm a black and white guy. You either can or you can't. You did or you didn't. You will or you won't. Can't do, won't do. Like, what? Where are we at here? Okay, let's just let's just cut to the chase. But there are some gray areas. Some guys want to live in that gray area. Don't live in the gray area. All right. Be all in on the light. Be all in on Jesus. Don't don't be gray guy. Okay. I'm not talking about the gray man thing. That's a whole other thing. All right. I'm not getting to that. But anyhow, these daughters approach Moses. Now this is a bold move because people that approach Moses have not always walked away to tell about it. Not without some scars or some issues. And what does Moses do? According to verse 5, Moses brought their case before the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we should do. That's what we should do. We should bring those gray areas to the Lord. There are issues. I was just talking to Anthony at church about this, about some things going on there. I was like, man, if we're going to hold our line here, then this could this is down the road where we could have a situation or whatever. Are we good with that? Are we committed to that? Sometimes you are. Sometimes you lick your wounds and say, well, that didn't work. doesn't matter. But what I see here is these these girls saying that while we don't really deserve it according to, you know, the instructions and all the things that have been passed on, we're asking for it so that our father's name doesn't get wiped out so we have a place to live. You know, I, I don't know what happens once they get married, if they're going to go to their husband's land. I don't know how that works. But anyhow, uh, here we are. They're in print. It reminds me of Ephesians 1 5, you know, Jesus adopting us, right? God, forgive me, God adopting us through Jesus according to the purpose of his will. Galatians 4 talks about that. Redeem those under the law so we might receive adoption. We got something we don't deserve. And so they said, why? Listen, I know, I know this is the statute, this is the rule, this is the statute, this is what has been declared, but uh, here's our issue, here, here's our challenge. Without sons, we're not going to be able to perpetuate his name. So uh, he said, God said, they're right. They're right. Give them the lamb. Now, see, if you don't approach God with this, it's easy to say, no. No. Sorry about that. I don't know what your dad did. I don't know what the issue is. Um, Y'all are going to need to go take a husband. And then, then you'll be fine. But that's not that that was not the situation here. Okay. Now I want to get on over. That's just me touching on that. You can get way in more into that if you want to, and that's fine. 
Um, I want you to do this, Joshua to succeed Moses. That's the title of my portion uh, in Scripture. Verse verse 12 in particular, the Lord said to Moses, Go up into the mountains of Abram and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy as a wa- at the waters before their eyes. Okay. Moses was told back in Numbers 20, you are going to die before you enter into the promised land. Still going to be a while before Moses climbs up that mountain. <laughs> Moses knows what's coming once he makes that climb up the mountain here, right? You're going to be gathered to your people. That's a nice way of saying you're going to die. Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses explains what he did. And um, I, I and, and God is not going to relent from this, that you're not going to set foot into the promised land. There is a consequence to Moses' sin. It's easy to say, oh, come on, God, man, he did so much. I mean, the guy dealt with those people and, you know, the the plagues and, and the lack of food and then the food and then the getting tired of the food and then no water and the picking up your tent, cloud by day, fire by night. That's a hard thing to lead through. Well, God doesn't change his standards. So while we might be able to justify it, explain it, kind of put that gray area there, right? God said, no, this is a black and white issue. This is what it is. Here's the other part of this. While there's a consequence to this, no doubt about it, and God's not backing away from that, it is time. It is time. And it's time for Joshua to lead, okay? And you know the book of Joshua. If you know the book of Joshua, I should say, I hope you do, um, you know, get to Deuteronomy. I've joked before, it's one of the longest sermons ever. Moses is like, I'm not done talking yet. And one more thing, basically reviewing the history of Israel. And, uh, and then Joshua goes into the promised land, and it's a whole new era. It's a whole new era for the nation of Israel. I mean, it's it's no more picking up your camp, dropping it here, dropping it there. No, it's time to become a people that will be established. But it's also time for fighting, for war. And Joshua is the right person for this. He said, you, were, you rebelled against me. You, you made me appear to be angry about something that I wasn't angry about. So he's not going to be going in. Okay? Go on. To verse 18, here's what, what we're going to do. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom, is that not a great name, Nun? What's your name, son? Nun. In who is, who, whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him? Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. Maybe you've seen that before, like a commissioning service. You know, like when I was ordained, there was kind of a commissioning service where, first of all, the meeting on the like day before, man, that's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. No no question. And I can get into that later on. It was a good thing. It was a good, difficult thing to go through. And then I preached. And there was a commissioning, a laying on the hands. I got a certificate or whatever you, I don't know what you call it. It's in a plaque somewhere. And I was so nervous about the whole thing. My, it's now my father-in-law. He, oh, he was my father-in-law then too, I guess. And he said, is your name spelled right? Check over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my name wasn't spelled right. I was just that like nervous about the whole thing. Well, there's a commissioning here. We're going to commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Okay. So take Joshua and whom is the spirit? That's a capital S. Okay. Whom the spirit and lay your hand on him. Joshua was not born into nobility. He was not a literal son of Moses. This is not just passing it on down to your kid. There were several things that qualified Joshua 
to be the next successor of Moses. Not because he had been there the longest. Not because he had led some great project. Here's a few things. Joshua led the army against the Amalekites in Exodus 17. He had that skill set. Joshua was an assistant to Moses, so he's privy to some of the challenges. You get that in Exodus chapter 24. Joshua helped Moses at the tabernacle after the whole golden calf debacle in Exodus 33. He was zealous and defended Moses in Numbers uh, 11. And what I remember him most for, Caleb is one of the two spies who had confidence in God and said, he is giving us this land. We need to go in and take it. Joshua was a man in whom the, the, he had the spirit. This is the most important qualification of all. You could be in a church and you can ordain somebody for pastor or for elder. Some people do deacons and trustees and other ministry type leads. Whatever your denomination does, it doesn't matter. You can ordain them for that or set them apart for that or commission for that. But are they a person with the Holy Spirit? Is there no doubt that the Holy Spirit is just evident in their life? Again, not that they go to church, not that they've served on committees, not that they've done a lot of work okay not there's nothing wrong with those things as a matter of fact i do think that should be into consideration however do they have the holy spirit so in Acts six there was a a dispute that broke out and so what happened is they said hey we're not getting food and i know we'll get back to numbers here and so they said here's what we're going to do we're going to find people we're going to find the, the, the right people who will serve. And in verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good reputation, full of the Spirit. There's capital S again. No question about it. God is speaking to them and through them. And of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. You know, that seems like a different calling than we have on most children's ministry, outreach ministry, worship ministry, uh, building and grounds ministry, recruiting processes. We're looking for just people. And then you wonder why you have problems. Well, do they have a good reputation? Well, I think it's just good for them to be in church and serve. Uh, are they full of wisdom? Well, not on the weekend. Are they full of the Holy Spirit? Their theology is terrible. But they're willing to run our soundboard. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. So why don't you invest in them for a while and then maybe, maybe disciple them, just a thought, and then when you plug them in, whole different person, whole different volunteer. So here's what he's going to do. You're going to give him some authority, right? This authority was immediate. Not down the road, not eventually. Hey, this is going to be a guy that's going to take over for me for eventually, but right now I'm still in charge. No, Joshua shares some of the authority of Moses in leading Israel. Until he dies, there's going to be some months of shared leadership here. There's a transitional period, the passing of the baton, and you know people are going to start to understand who Joshua is. They're going to hear his voice. They're going to see him lead, right? And so there's this guy, Eleazar the priest, and you are now required to go stand before him. This is a, this is different. This this is different than when Moses was in this place of leadership. Numbers chapter twelve talks about um, God speaking to people differently than He did with Moses, and why that happened. I want to read this to you. Numbers chapter twelve six through eight. He said, "Hear my words." If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Okay, Anybody here claiming to be anything, I've spoken to this person. Not so with my servant Moses. 
He is faithful in all my house. God said, he is different. Now, context here, this is back in 12 where Miriam and Aaron are opposing him saying, what is so special about Moses? God said, I'm going to tell you. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? See, Joshua doesn't have that. Joshua is going to lead, now albeit in an incredible way, being a spokesperson like Moses for the Lord, yet lead the Lord's people, lead the nation of Israel into the promised land into a lot of challenges. Again, read Joshua. A lot of men's ministries will go through the book of Joshua, so perhaps you've you've been through it. But God in Numbers 12 said, there is nobody that I've communicated with like Moses. That's not Joshua. Okay? And sometimes you can inherit a ministry position, a ministry lead, a role, whatever, and you automatically assume you get the perks and benefits of the person before you. Years ago, I had a guy that worked for me, and he was frustrated with something. And, and he was a younger guy in his mid-20s, I, I'm thinking. And he, he referenced somebody. He's like, man, would they talk to that person that way? I said, well, let, let, me, let me back you up just a little bit. First of all, you're not 65 years old, which is roughly the age of the person he's at, he was talking about. Second of all, you've not been at this place for 40 years like this person has. Second of all, or third of all, forgive me, I'm bad at math. Third of all... That person is not as respected as you'd like to think that they are. And what I mean is not that there's anything in their character. People still give that person disrespect. You're just not privy to it because they don't air their grievance to everybody. Moses got a lot of junk, didn't he? And so it can be easy for Joshua to think, boy, I can't wait to be in charge. Uh Uh-huh. Well, let me show you the junk drawer. I was trying to find a pen today. I don't want a green or orange or yellow or highlight colors. I don't want. I just wanted a pen. I wanted a regular pen, and um, I only found like three in there. And I'm digging through them. We got we got these baskets of pens, and I thought to myself, "Does everybody have a junk drawer? Like this thing's got recipes in it. One battery, not enough to do anything. One battery, handful of paper clips, some glue, some gift cards, uh, some envelopes with random pictures in it. You know, just I mean." Anything you're not sure what to do with it, you just put it in the junk drawer. Does everybody have a junk drawer? Moses had a junk drawer. And there's probably some things about leading the nation of Israel that Joshua has no idea about. As a matter of fact, we know there would be. If you've inherited anything like this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I've said before on this podcast, and, and I'll continue to say because I firmly believe it. Like For me, I look forward to being... Uh, the patriarch, if you will, of my family. In many ways, I am right now the patriarch, the oldest male in my in my family, and just trying to prepare myself or think about, you know, how do I want to carry myself? We'll do it now. How do I want to act on my home? We'll do it now. What do I want my marriage to look like so others can do it now? Like, do the, you guarantee nothing, so do it now. And so looking at that, but also realizing as these opportunities have presented themselves um, in the last, you know, handful of years there's a there's a different element of pressure being the patriarch of your family right like they look to you now somebody has to go first somebody has to make a decision somebody also has to go last 
And so you you model that, like, when is it time to be the first one that leads out? When's it time to sit back and say, everyone else can go first? I'm, I'm Here's what I need to, whatever that is. Joshua is going to learn that in a really unique way. So they lay their hands on him and they inaugurate him. They commission him. And maybe your church has these commissioning services. Again, the elders kind of gather around. Maybe there's oil. Maybe there's, you know, whatever. And it looks different everywhere. I don't know if there's an exact blueprint of how this is supposed to go. I don't think there is. Um, There are some things that you'd say these are non-negotiables, but uh, this is a a public presentation. Joshua is is now being commissioned by God to do this. Joshua is the next leader of Israel. Yeah, Moses got a few months left, and uh, there's a transition plan here. Um, But this is the guy that's going to help lead us. That, that was God's plan to continue to speak through people like that. And then you get into 1 Samuel and people say, we want a king. And God says, you don't, want, you don't want a king. No, we want a king. Samuel's like, I'm telling you, you don't want a king either. And God's talking to you know. So God and Samuel are saying they don't want a king, but they do. And they've rejected God. And this is what happens. We can put all of our oomph into a, a human leader. Listen, you should respect your leaders. You should give them respect. They're dealing with more than you realize even the narcissistic ones, even the ones who act like they have it all together, even the ones who on the stage look polished, presentable, the whole deal. I'm telling you, they are dealing with more than you realize. I had a good friend of mine text me the other day, an issue in the Bible, and it was a a thing where a guy said one thing, but he did something else. And we're kind of messaging about, you know, boy, he seemed kind of cocky here, and then he does this. And in the message, I just said, what I have found in life is those who appear to be most confident, those who are not um, ever vulnerable. They don't ever share like their shortcomings and stuff and everything's always good and you got it, man. They look in the eyes and they smile and they, they give you that baloney, cheesy, man, all good. I'm so blessed. I'm so, yep, 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 yep. They often got some stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, because everybody's got some stuff. And while you don't want to vomit your life on people, you also don't want to be a fraud. Hey, man, love on people, meet them right where they're at, look them right in the eyeball, shake their hands, the whole deal. You're going to have some stuff. Joshua's going to get some stuff. He's going to have leadership challenges. The key, like with any good leadership, is you better get some good people around you who will encourage you when you need to be encouraged, who will slap your hand when you need it slapped, who will go defend your name and, more importantly, God's name to other people who are, it's inevitable, they're going to run it down. If you leave Joshua's in your life on an island and say, well, good luck, sure do enjoy his leadership, sure do enjoy his teaching, sure do enjoy when he, whatever, you realize uh, there will come a point where Joshua's will say, well, that's all I got to give. I'm running out. They all do. Moses is coming to the end of himself. Now it's time for Joshua to lead. The best thing the nation of Israel can do, support him. Understand there's going to be, it's going to look different. They have no idea. Obviously, we're moving into a new generation of Israelites, um, but this whole fighting and, and taking over places, they've been prepared for it. And if you're in a transitional period, whether you're the leader or you're, you have a new person leading, whatever, God has been preparing you for it. You'll be all right. It takes some change. Change is always hard, but you'll be okay. Moses did a great job, 40 years. Now it's time for somebody else to lead. It's time for uh, Joshua to lead, and uh, what I like about this whole thing is uh, we're not done with Caleb. And if you know your Bible, you know Caleb's going to show up and say, I am a man still full of vigor. I could uh, I could take that mountain there. 
how about some land for me? Joshua says, you got it, man. So, man, I appreciate you all listening to this. I appreciate you guys that subscribe, share the show. I appreciate you guys that go to Darkwater KC. And once again, I'll, I'll end where I started. Man, go check out Tribe. There's, I, I've, I've never run up on anything else like it. I'm telling you, the community of guys that are in there, uh, they're exceptional. I, I've used the phrase, and I don't use it lightly. They are high-caliber men. And if you need some of those guys in your life like I do, Sign up for Tribe. Registration ends November 19th. Thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical 